Hello and welcome to this week's On The Spot. I'm here with John Paul Hampstead as always. And I'm Zach Strickland. Good day, and uh, Good day, John Paul. So this week uh, we had a lot going on. We had a lot of earnings. Yeah. Um, did the freight market bottom? Uh, we're not really sure, uh, but it does appear to be uh, at least horizontal for the moment. Uh, but let's let's kick things off. Let's uh, let's talk about what we've seen in the freight market this week. Uh, JP, what have you what have you heard? What have you seen? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if we're you know on a bottom or we're at the floor, but we certainly found a Right. Right. Um, so, OTVI has been in it between basically 8,400 and 8,700 for a solid week now, um, if not a little bit longer. Uh, so, that's that kind of implies that the things that are going to be shut down have shut down. Um, you know, whether it's it's retail, whether it's goods being delivered to you know places like uh, restaurants and hotels and and various inessential services that are shut down. Although, you know, as we've noted before, there's been quite a liberal definition of what's essential and what isn't. Right. Um, Including, you know, in Florida, apparently WWE is essential, and that, which and hasn't been shut down. So, uh, that being said, um, volumes are still, you know, quite low, but appear to have stabilized for now. Um, OTV or OTRI, our measure of relative capacity, the percentage of contracted loads that are being rejected by transportation providers, dipped below 3%, uh, which is very low indeed. I think it's like 2.87%. Close to 2.8, yeah. Something like that. Um, so that's you know alarming, and that's going to continue to pull rates down. Uh, if you look at the, the DAT number, uh, which on a slight lag, that's going to be around $1.21 a mile uh, for nationwide average. Um, of course, we've seen you know, widespread reports and complaints of, of rates uh, below a dollar a mile. And, and of course, is at a loss in most cases. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, and that's, that's you know, uh, problematic. And it gets to kind of a, the next thing I want to talk about, which is how destructive the current business environment is for capacity. Um, we've been talk we talked about this all through 2019 as we saw new truck orders crash. We saw you know very low rates, anemic volumes for most of that year. And you know the the mantra we heard over and over again from publicly traded trucking companies was that capacity is leaving the market, good times are on the horizon, etc. And so um, we we you know like I said, we measure relative capacity through tender rejections, but it's really hard to measure absolute capacity sure. or the number of trucks available for dispatch. So one of the ways we do that is by looking at the number of Landstar BCOs, business capacity owners, they're leased on owner operators. And the Landstar reported earnings on Wednesday, so we had a chance to update our, our model. And, um, and what we do is, the theory is that when rates are good, when the business environment is favorable for carriers, more people become truck drivers, um, and more company drivers become owner-operators, um, which is, if you think about it, is sort of the, the risky, leveraged end of the trucking business. You've got, you're exposed to lease payments and insurance, et cetera, et cetera, but if you're really confident that you can make a lot of money, you might go out on your own. Um, and so. We look at the, specifically the quarter-on-quarter quarter change in the number of Landstar BCOs. It doesn't really do to look at the absolute number, 
or the total number because it, it's grown just over time pretty right. you know, steadily. Right, general attrition. So you want to look at the direction that's going. Is it, compared to the previous quarter, are there uh, more or fewer BCOs? And um, the number of BCOs went down again in the first quarter of 2020. It's the first stretch in our data, which goes back more than 10 years of um, a decline for four quarters straight. And in fact, this is also, this, this current downturn we're in is also the first time it's going down three quarters straight. Now, this is an interesting uh, topic because, to me specifically because you just said this is now the fourth quarter mm -hmm. straight that we've seen the decline. It started in, in Q1 2019 after the uh, spot market initially crashed after 2018. Right. So this isn't necessarily like all coronavirus. No, we're, no, we're, no. We're, we're in a, we were already in this kind of downward trajectory in terms of capacity coming offline. We, we, we saw a lot of these earnings calls. Most of the carriers that I, I, I read about all reduced their truck count, at least in their four higher uh, units. Yeah, and um, just remember in 2019, uh, trucking companies were going bankrupt at about four times the rate the year prior. So this is um, a continuation and acceleration of that story of capacity leaving the market, which I, I just think is really interesting because when OTBIs below 9,000, we're not necessarily going to see the other shoe drop, right? We're not going to see you know, there's still plenty of trucks, right? We're not gonna see capacity tighten, but at some point, I don't know if it's gonna be in the third quarter, I don't know if it's gonna be in the fourth quarter, when economic, or, or you know, hopefully not later than that, but um, right. when economic growth returns to what we consider normal level, 2% or above, um, it will be really interesting to see what happens to rates and how much you know, if shippers and brokers are exposed by the lack of capacity in the market. Yeah, so that point of inflection that we watched happen this past March with the OTVI, how far up did it have to go to see a significant increase in tender rejection rates? Uh, it was around 10,400. Uh, that level seemed to create more of an acceleration in, you know, tender rejections, therefore spot rate right. increases, et cetera. Uh, Prior to that, in 2018, it only had to go up to around 10,100. So there was an implied increase in capacity, tender acceptance, et cetera, that, that came along with you know, improved uh, you know, truck utilization, et cetera. All, all of these things came together uh, throughout 2018, improving supply conditions, et cetera. And now we don't know how deep this trough is gonna go, how long it's gonna extend, and through that, you know, when we come out on the other side, will that point of inflection be around 9,800 on the OTVI? Yeah. You know, that, right. that's kind of the big question is we obviously exactly. had capacity able to absorb a pretty decent uh, amount higher than that at 2018 level. Uh, so we don't know exactly what that's going to do on the other end of this. I mean, the PPP, pro the program, the government small loans for the payroll protection, uh, you know, do will probably keep some people online uh, that wouldn't make it otherwise. Uh, so we don't know what that's going to do to capacity on, you know, say September, August. Uh, right. Maybe it's the exact same. Maybe not. We don't know. And and keep in mind that the PPP may keep people on the payroll doesn't necessarily mean their trucks are rolling. Right. Like every carrier still has to decide whether they're going to run their trucks at a, a loss or not. Right. Right. Um, so that's that. You know, if 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 the rate isn't covering the um, the rate isn't covering the operating costs, but you've got like the wages paid for, but you know, you still have to worry about fuel insurance, 
maintenance, et cetera. So that, that, that's a calculation that also has to be made. Um, Zach, can we talk about places in the national freight market where it looks like volumes, you know, maybe coming up a little bit off the off the bottom? Um, any any green shoots out there? So we were talking about this earlier. We're seeing, a, you know, since we are seeing our national outbound tender volume in, uh, index sort of hit a floor for the moment, not necessarily making a big jump or anything like that, but there are some markets out there right now that are showing uh, at least you know, mention-worthy increases in volumes, the Ontario market being one of those. Ontario, of course, is out there on the West Coast next to Los Angeles. Huge DC environment, a lot of freight comes in off the ports, gets translated into those warehouses, and then a lot of that long-haul freight moves across the country, replenishing a lot of the warehouse freight on the East Coast and Midwest, et cetera. So that's a pretty notable increase. Uh, something that Mike Vinton and I talked about the other day with Greg Miller is the fact that a lot of that volume may be kind of a false signal. Mm -hmm. A lot of this freight coming in may be replenishment, but they were orders placed prior to yeah. uh, a oh, lot yeah. of the demand side shutdown. For sure, definitely. Um, but there are places like Atlanta, Laredo, McAllen, even Seattle, um, you know, scattered markets in the Midwest, Terre Haute, uh, places like that where um, you know, we're seeing positive week over week growth in, in volumes. Um, it's, it's not just not just the port cities. No, 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 it's not just the port cities, but they are some of the most uh, you know, significant. Obviously, Ontario, the second biggest market in the country, but uh, Elizabeth, New Jersey has had a pretty notable increase. Atlanta has shown a, it's popped its head above water uh, for the first time. Again, these aren't giant increases, and this is kind of what we are expecting to see you know, when things start to turn back on, uh, yeah, you right. know, this kind of fragmented recovery. It's not necessarily about, you know, things shooting up super fast like we saw in March, uh, but it's going to be like a 3% increase here in Atlanta, a 2% increase in Detroit, et cetera. And the Detroit market, of course, very interesting to yeah, watch. Yeah, and that's one we're keeping a closer eye on because um, the big three want to reopen the production facilities on May 4th. But the uh, United Auto Workers, the union, is saying that that's too risky because of coronavirus concerns and outbreaks of their plants. So we have seen an uptick in Detroit for, uh, you know, uh, outbound tender volumes sort of in anticipation of this or in advance of this. A slight uptick, right? right. Um, it, let's just say it's, it's not going down. It's, <laughs> it, it went up, not by a lot. Um, clearly, in the next week and a half, if they're reopening production, we expect that number to go up by a lot. Um, and and that's, that's going to be really interesting because we're going to be able to watch the reopening of the American auto industry literally on a day-by-day -day basis and see exactly um, what the supply, if the suppliers are ready, if the assembly plants are ready, and it really how much freight volume um, comes back online and how fast it does. Yeah, the Detroit market, of course, had their shutdown already. We've already seen this happen uh, earlier in the 12-month cycle here in September when they had their strike. Yeah. A lot of those plants shut down up there. But it's not just about Detroit. It's about all those satellite uh, areas as well, all those feeder plants, if you will, that manufacture all these products for the assembly and whatnot. Yeah, and, and honestly, there's a whole automo auto belt, really, that kind of goes from, uh, you know, through the Midwest of the country, essentially from Michigan 
in Ohio and even you know Ontario if you want to talk about like Winter Canada and also but, uh, Mexican and uh, it goes all the way down through Mississippi mm-hmm. into Mexico like right. really like there's there are plants all dotted all through the Midwest yeah, suppliers have this big uh, supply chain kind of line coming up from Mexico all the way to into, there's a, into Canada. There's a big Toyota plant in Kentucky that wants to reopen on uh, May 2nd. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Obviously, plants, you know, through it throughout the Southeast. Um, you know, I just think, you know, th- there's going to be a really important negotiation between labor and, you know, capital, between, um, the, you know, the the health concerns and the economic concerns. I think I think that's going to be really interesting to see play out. And of course, we'll know. You know, whatever the government is saying, the the union is saying, the, the corporations are saying, we're actually going to see what freight is moving. Yeah, and and the automotive sector, of course, indicative of that industrial segment that we're closely watching to see if that recovers. So. You know, we had a slew of earnings reports come out. Oh yeah, real That's quickly. Right. Uh, let's let's go through a few of those because I think there's some stuff to glean from these mm-hmm. uh, moving forward and what to look for. Uh, you know, in the rest of the rest of the year. So we had Night Swift come out, um, yep. Landstar as you mentioned, Heartland, uh, and you know, Echo Global, a big yep. brokerage. Uh, they all reported year over year. Uh, kind of increases uh, in revenue at least not necessarily in margins but in in revenue they had a really tough q1 2019 just to, it's a weak comparison just to keep that in perspective right. but yeah uh they grew revenue um i covered echo specifically they talked about a little bit of margin compression actually 204 basis points of margin compression um year over year uh which makes sense if you think about collapsing spot rates in the first quarter of 2019 and then you think about that huge uh, surge we saw in march of 2020 um which is which is you know going to imply a surge in in the cost to a brokerage to to book trucks so it makes sense that you'd see your rear marching compression they did say that that uh blew back out um to about 17.3 percent uh the first um i think i think they they reported the first 13 business days of April, so whatever that adds up to, uh, came back widened back out by about 100 basis points. Um, although, I think one of the important numbers for uh, a couple of important April numbers that Echo provided updates on, which I thought were really interesting. One, revenue per day down 12% in April, year over year. Two, LTL volumes down 24 percent so that's that's going to be um related to the shutdowns of small and medium-sized businesses i think they said the truckload volumes were only down about four percent right so we're and that's also going to um dave menzel the uh chief operating officer of echo did a really good job explaining the impact to their uh gross margins uh, based on the mix shift so ltl tends to have wider margins for echo yep so as uh, the sort of their portfolio of revenue shifts toward truckload uh, because LTL volumes are so far down. That's going to make you know what could have been a very wide gross margin um, will be will be narrow. a little bit narrower. Yeah. Um, so that's that's something to keep in mind. Um, yeah. So I, I thought it's really really interesting stuff. Yeah. And and again, a lot. You know, the big thing that I took away from this is that we have not seen the full brunt of the coronavirus impact to the freight market or trucking in general. A lot of these guys did not necessarily have that bad of a first quarter. 
uh, but they right. were talking about you know not giving guidance for the rest of the year just because of all the unknowns and uncertainty. So one thing's for sure, it's going to be a wild ride uh, for the rest of the year, more than likely. Definitely. Uh, hopefully a lot smoother than that. Well, that'll do it for this week's On the Spot. Be sure to check out FreightWaves.com uh, for any future freight updates and all the intel you need. Have a great weekend.